What is going on, everybody? We're jumping out of the plane, diving into some more divisional action. Today, we're in the NFC North. Of course, I am Natter, followed alongside the number one Australian analyst, Sheehan. Man, how are you doing? I'm good, man. You cannot wipe the smile off my face at the moment with England having lost in penalties in the final of the Euros. I've been walking around like I'm going into a job interview ever since then. It's been fantastic. Just the the sobbing faces of these big, fat, bald racists who painted the cross of St. George and littered all over the tube and were, were punching on with each other and sticking flares up their bums, sucked in. You know, I was just about to ask you about that because I know, I know how you felt. And I, I was watching the game and... I wasn't rooting for Italy, but I definitely wanted England to lose. It was one of those things like, I, I don't really like Italy. I didn't want them to win. I wanted Portugal to win or Germany. I was rooting for them too, but it definitely felt good watching England lose. And I felt like that's how it was for everybody. No, nobody wanted England to win. They just, nobody wanted Italy to win. Everybody well, just wanted England to lose. Yeah, that's ex- exactly it. You know, I think that both of our countries have a checkered past with with the mother country, as it were. But, you know, I, I was feeling, you know, come Sunday morning, I'd started to chill out a bit. And I was like, well, look, I don't really care who wins. I'm just not interested in the game. And I had to come back from basically the other side of the country to, to get home after cricket on, uh, on Sunday. And the tube was a mess. There were just people everywhere behaving like louts. And I thought, you know what? You can all get stuffed. Come on, Italy. I basically morphed into Benito Mussolini times Super Mario times Silvio Berlusconi and was was absolutely screaming. So, you know, congratulations to Italy. And now we can actually talk about a decent sport. I don't have to talk about soccer, at least until the World Cup next year. And, you know, hopefully we can uh, can talk about games where they actually score once in a while. Now that's a little rough. Now, of course, alongside with us, hiding in the back, we got the writer for Sleeper Wire and rankings guru, Justin Dodds, or I like to call him, and a little bit of a Walmart Josh Allen. Now, how you doing over there? Not too bad. That intro never gets old, man. I'm getting pretty excited. Redraft League time is around the corner. Content will start to pick up as well. You know, you got some stuff to talk about. Things won't be so repetitive, so I'm getting pretty excited for that. Yeah, I have to agree there. Once OTA start, once redraft season starts, and we start hitting those mock drafts, and start hitting those if and then, if or scenarios. I think that's where the real interesting conversations happen. I think uh, I think rookie dynasty draft and then redraft is probably some of the two most entertaining parts of fantasy football. Gene, would you agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm a massive dynasty guy. So like NFL draft season is my absolute favorite. Then there's a bit of a lull and now we're into, I guess, with the uh, the kickoff of redraft season with the, uh, the Scotty Fishbowl. How's your... Uh, How's your draft going, by the way? I know you've been, let's say, frustrated at some of your league mates. <laughs> I got one. I'm in the 17th round right now, so we're still not quite there. But yeah, it's. Uh, I was the first person in my league to draft a kicker, so there's that. That was pretty cool. I respect it. Hey, well, saying you're in the 17th round, I think, is a big flex. I think I'm on the 12th round right now, and that that was a magnificent acceleration from where we were, I think, before the weekend started. We're recording this on a Tuesday. I think on Friday, we were in the third round or the fourth round around that vicinity. I think we gathered everybody in a Discord chat and said, hey, make your picks. And uh, I think people started to speed along a little bit. 
Yeah, one of the guys in our league as well put together a chat, which has been cool to uh, well hear. As as with any group chat, there's some people who are certainly more vocal than others. We're in the uh, the 16th round at the moment, but I didn't make a pick all weekend. My uh, last pick before the weekend was Friday, and my first pick after was Monday. So I'm keen to to get these picks rolling. And in fact, I'm still yet to make an actual live pick. Every single one's been uh, from my pre-draft queue because I've either been asleep or working. So. Um, I could potentially come on the clock during the show, so I'm excited for that. And I tell you what, Nata, just for you, man, I'm going to pick a kicker if I do. Oh, I can't wait. And, you know, I, I actually, I was going to pick a kicker for my 12th pick because I was pretty happy with my squad. You know, and it's not complete yet, but I was pretty happy with it. So I wanted to scare the be- secure the best kicker. But then I, I saw Amon Ross St. Brown hanging out there, and I decided, uh, I think I want Amon Ra before I want a kicker. So I decided to go with that. He's still sitting on the board for me. I've uh, I've looked long and hard, but it's going to be either Legatron, Greg Zerline, or uh, Go Nuts for Will Lutz. Give me some dome kicker. Oh, that's true. And with, with the Saints, they might not be scoring as much touchdowns. I think uh, he might have a lot of opportunities. But of course, we'll be talking about that in a later episode when we start talking about the uh, Saints and their division. But right now, we got the NFC North ahead of us today. We have a, a new segment, Sheehan. You want, you want to explain this one to us? Yeah, well, as you said off the top, we have from the Great White North, Justin Dodds, the Walmart Josh Allen. So we have a new segment here called I Can't Believe It's Josh Allen, where I'm going to give you guys some players and you're going to tell me who the discount version of these players are. You know, this time of year, we talk about it each week. Now, you know, you've got your overpriced guys, you've got some value guys. But, you know, if you like the look of a Christian McCaffrey, how about getting a knockoff one? So I'll give you I've got five names here for you. And uh, you can tell our, our, our fair listeners who you think the cut priced versions of these are. And of course, I have the ADP data hot off the sleeper presses for you. We can check what that value really is. So without uh, further ado, let's start with our first name brand knockoff, Saquon Barkley. Who's the off-brand version of that, Justin? So I've got Barkley going at, you know, the, the top of the first round, around pick five usually, depending on your league. And depending on the discount you're looking for, I think a decent option is actually Joe Mixon. Both guys are coming off injuries. Both guys are the workhorse backs for their teams. And you had a rookie drafted into Cincinnati. Both guys have a little bit of competition for usage, the receiving cores around them. But I think, and Joe Mixon, I've got going towards the back of the second round, if not even into the turn, depending on your league, if they're a little spooked out about his injuries and stuff like that. So I think you can get some decent value on Mixon, especially let's say if you start the first round with tight end or something like that, or you're, you're off running back in your first round pick, uh, I think Joe Mixon can be a decent value. If you want even more of a discount, I think David Montgomery in the third to fourth turn, or I think I had him at 37th overall, somewhere around there. Um, that's another decent replication. Again, he's a guy that gets the majority of the work. I mean, Tariq Cohen's coming back from injury, but in the third or fourth round, if you can get somebody that's taking pretty much every single one of the carries. That's something that I'll take all day in the third or fourth round. Love it, man. And certainly Montgomery is going to be a name we're hearing a lot uh, on the pod this episode. What do you reckon, Nata? I like James Robinson being the Walmart version because he, he kind of does everything Saquon does, except he's worse at it. Therefore, <laughs> I feel like it just fits the term. <laughs> Fair enough. I, uh, when I was putting these together, I thought Mike Davis had a bit of a, a cut price Saquon about him. He's going to get three down work. There's, there's names ahead of him, and they're, they're in the NFC. Didn't go quite as deep into it as, uh, as our man Dodds, but that's why I, uh, 
he's the he's the guest and expert tonight. Uh, next name off the board, and we'll start with you this time, Nada. Stefan Diggs. I went with Jarvis Landry. I feel like you know, they have some similar qualities. A little bit of shifty players. Knows how to get open. Knows how to beat man coverage. Oh, but Stefan Diggs, he's just not. I mean, Jarvis Landry, he's just, he's not quite Stefan Diggs, and I give him the Walmart tag. Nice one. I'm a big fan of Landry this year. How about you, Justin? What do you reckon? I'll go a little more expensive. I got uh, Stefan Diggs at the one-two turn usually, so I'm probably closer to the second round. But I've got Michael Thomas as the discounted version. Michael Thomas, I've got two rounds later, around pick 30. Um, if you're in a PPR league, it might be a little bit uh, higher just because everybody knows he'll, he'll be soaking targets this year. And if it's Jameis Winston and they're dropping back to pass a lot, he's throwing picks like he was in Tampa and the turnovers are there. Michael Thomas is going to see a lot of volume and a lot of people might be concerned about what they saw last year just because of the injury. And they're like, I don't want Michael Thomas. He screwed me over last year kind of thing. And you can definitely capitalize on that value. Yep, I agree. Michael Thomas is a guy that I want to be targeting. Uh, and in fact, he's the name slightly ahead of who I had, which is uh, Keenan Allen, both playing with a, a big, strong-armed uh, running quarterback with not a lot of competition for targets. So he was my cut price to find Diggs. Obviously, you know, he's only a, a shade later than Diggs, but uh, any discount's a good discount. Uh, we'll skip over David Montgomery, given uh, he was already the cut price to Quan Barkley. Aww, so we, I had one oh, for him. If you got one, man, uh, go ahead. Who, who's your cut price, David Montgomery? I was going to go Carlos Hyde. Well, have you have you looked beyond the Jaguars? See, the the problem is 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 they fit because they're just I feel like the Walmart version of a lot of things. Walmart the, version the, of an NFL franchise. Well, see, exactly. So it, it, it's like easy pickups if you go for the Jaguars. It's like mm. right there. Oh, it's like you know picking off low hanging fruit. It's easy. Yeah, fair enough. How about you, Justin? Have you got one for uh, Demont? I do. I got Damian Harris at the seven eight turn. Uh, I think Damian's a guy that's going to get a lot of work. And if Cam is the quarterback, you're maybe not going to see a lot of the touchdowns like you would with David Montgomery, but you're going to get a similar workload, I think, because both guys are taking the carries, and then they have a pass-catching back on the team, Tariq Cohen, James White kind of thing. So I think the volume will be similar between the two. If it's Mac Jones, that pick gets a lot better because I think the red zone usage for Damian Harris skyrockets after that. So. I think that's a decent value you could find there. I like it. I'm also uh, 100% on the train for anyone that'll listen that we will see Mac Jones as quarterback this year and Cam Newton lining up in the backfield as the goal line back. That suits my narrative nicely. I actually don't have one for uh, for Demont, so uh, that's all right. I'm running the segment, not being part of it. And uh, Darren Waller, what do we reckon? Uh, Justin, kick us off. So I've actually got two, depending on how much you want to want to discount here. One I feel confident in. Darren Waller, I got at the 2-3 turn. I think a decent replacement for him is TJ Hawkinson. I think there's a lot of targets to be had in Detroit, and TJ Hawkinson's going in the mid to late fifth round right now. Obviously, if you've got tight end premium league or something like that, the draft position for tight ends might be a little bit higher, uh, a little bit pricier. But in general, it's like two rounds after, two to three rounds after Darren Waller. And that's somebody who I think is similar. They're going to see, both of them are going to see a lot of volume Honestly, if you think besides DeAndre Swift and Amandra St. Brown, maybe you've got TJ Hawkinson and that's it. And the team's going to be pretty bad. So we should be expecting a lot of passes. And then the second one I got is 
Dallas Goddard in the early eighth round. It's a similar situation, but a little more competition for targets there. Like it. In fact, love both of those. I, I totally agree with Hawkinson, and uh, I think the, the comp between Carr and Goff is pretty tidy as well. What do you reckon, Nata? Darren Waller, I see him has a basically a wide receiver playing the tight end position. Makes me think of Evan Ingram. You know, it's the same thing, wide receiver, tight end position, except he's just a whole lot worse at it. So uh, <laughs> he, he definitely takes that uh, Walmart tag on him. I would not take Evan Ingram. I'll tell the viewers that straight up right now. I would take Robert Tunyon as a uh, much better replacement. But uh, if we're going completely uh, composition-wise, I think Evan Ingram is almost an exact duplicate, except just much worse. Yeah, if we're talking essentially big wide receivers playing the tight end position, there's really two names that we need to talk about in that conversation. One of them's Kyle Pitts. I'm not going to bother going into him. But of course, the other, whenever we're talking value tight ends, is our boy, the Firk, Anthony Firkser, uh, highest route running percentage of any tight end in the league last year. I think it was Delaney Walker came out and said he was primed for a big season. And obviously, that's a nice off-season hype. But all aboard the uh, the Firkser train, as far as I'm concerned. Although Waller has uh, probably less competition for targets, but still love a tight end that runs a route. And finally, we can't finish the I can't believe it's not Josh Allen segment. Then give us who is the Walmart Josh Allen. And we'll start with Walmart Josh Allen himself. Justin, who is it? Who uh, are you? Well, I, I hate to give the title over to someone else, but uh, I think I'm going to go with Ryan Tannehill. In a single quarterback league, I've got Josh Allen at the 2-3 turn range being drafted and Tannehill in the late 8th round. So, And I'm always a guy that's all over late round quarterback. What I, I've never found, unless somebody slides, to be drafting quarterback early. So Tannehill, and Tannehill's been solid for, everyone seems to have the stigma of Tannehill in Miami, and they just can't get it out of their head. But Tannehill's been solid for two years now as a fantasy quarterback option, and now he gets Julio Jones as well. I think he's a pretty good value at the late eighth round. Yeah, nice one. Um, we do a lot of either or, as you'll know, as a, a dedicated listener of the show. And in fact, uh, Tannehill is going after Jalen Hurts at the moment in one quarterback leaves. Give me Tannehill all day. That's just obscene value. In fact, yeah. he's a guy that's sliding down boards as um, as he should probably be sliding up. How about you, Nada? I had I did have Tannehill as a potential option, but I, I felt like he was like he's still, he's not name brand he's not off brand. You know, if Josh Allen he's Gucci, then I thought Tannehill would be like a, like a Prada Chanel type thing. It, it was difficult to put him as Walmart brand. I think uh, Walmart would be better suited for somebody like Joey Burrow. Uh, I, th- I think also a little bit of the same situation. The shifty players they definitely down to run. Got a little. You know, I wouldn't say the biggest of arm for Joey Burrow, but I think that's why he fantastically fits in the Walmart version. You know, there's a quarterback out there who can get it done with his legs. He's got a big arm. Uh, is he playing the right position? Who's to say? No, it's not Tim Tebow. It's Taysom Hill, the ultimate Walmart, Josh Allen, to the point where he might not even play quarterback this year. Um, I think that's, uh, you know, they've got the the one elite weapon and a lot of lot of jags around him. Hill has uh, Kamara, who he doesn't pass to, and, and Josh Allen has himself as a, as an elite runner. But I think that's your, your ultimate knockoff, Josh Allen. But I, I would much rather have Allen on my team than Taysom Hill, that's for sure. That's that's a definite one. Now, I want to change my David Montgomery answer real fast. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly, there's no rules, and I can't believe it's it's not Josh Allen. Yeah, so I went for it. I want to change it to a, a past Jaguar and Leonard Fournette. Because they both don't know how to shift, and you know they just kind of cut the hole and go in it and hope for the best. But I mean, it's it's still a past Jaguar, so I mean, I guess it still counts. That's good, man. You sure it's not going to be um, like Fred Taylor or MJD or someone like that? Uh, that's before my time. <laughs>
Uh, all good. Well, I tell you, it's not quite before your time for this because it's time for everyone's favourite segment. Huh. Natter's wise words of wisdom. All right. So this is a little bit unethical, but if you ever go into a job interview, apply a bunch of times with terrible resumes to make yours look better. There you go. Easy job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's maybe marginally ahead of last week's go in with an erection to show them how excited you are. And in fact, I went into a job interview last week, sporting a big Nick job, and uh, I'm not sure they were that impressed by it, which is <laughs> them and everyone else who's ever seen it, but still. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Move on. Move on from this one. Radio. Radio. Yay. 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 Hang on. Hang on. No. No. Just start again. Just start again. Just start again. What am I doing this one? It cuts out. It cuts out. Yeah. I'm not doing this. You know how long it takes me to write these every week? Sound interesting. New creative ways. Telling people they can come along to draft night out. Get an exclusive shirt. Get a chance to win fantastic football memorabilia. Get entered into a live draft with awesome people. I close my eyes and all I can hear is my own stupid voice in an even stupider voice telling me August 14th to be in Canton, Ohio the day before the Fantasy Football Expo for Draft Night Out. Like, at this point, if you haven't got tickets, what are you doing? You obviously like Fantasy Football. You're obviously going to the Fantasy Football Expo. Just go to Draft Night Out. You don't know anyone in Canada, huh? You're not going to be doing anything the night before. Like, what, are you going to be swiping through Tinder and trying to pick someone up? Or you're just sharing a hotel room with some random you do a podcast with? No. Just go to Draft Night Out. It's going to be fine. Like, get along there. 30 bucks. Get your shirt. Win some memorabilia. Meet some cool people. We're not going to be there, but there'll be other cool people. Get along. Do it. Draft Night Out is brought to you by Sleepaway, by Eat Sleep Fantasy, by Draft Party USA, and by Prestige Sports Memorabilia. I'm doing this off the top of my head. I genuinely can hear this when I'm not thinking about anything else. Get your ticket, draftnightout.com, August 14th. It's a month from when we're recording this, which means it'll be about three weeks from when you hear it. Get along, get along there. What are you doing? What are you get there? Get what are you what are you doing? What are you get there? Get there. What are you doing? What are you doing? I close my eyes. Awesome piece. What are you doing? What are you doing? Football. What are you doing? What are you doing? Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. What are you doing? What are you doing? That was a pretty good one. I like that one. I like it. I felt some emotion in that. Yeah, thanks, man. I was really lazy and didn't write one this week. Yeah. No, no, I do want to correct you. I have officially put in a request off for work so I could try to make it. I officially decided that I was able to clear up some of my scheduling, you know, you know, canceling a wedding or two. But I was going to say, wasn't your brother getting married? Wasn't that why you weren't going? Yeah. Yeah. The, they, we moved the wedding up. We we're able to move it up. So the wedding uh, is about to happen, you know, in a week or two. Oh, um, wow. So, so now we are able, to, now I am free so I can actually go. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to Hoos about this and see if I could figure out a way on how I can go. Well, look at that, listeners. You can uh, come along and meet Natter as well. You getting uh, you getting down there, Dodds? Um, I th- I'm going to be in the same boat as Natter. I think I'm going to have to shift some work schedule around and try and get down there for sure. 
Because Canada's actually allowing people out of the country now, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, nice. In fact, I meant to bring this up earlier. This could be uh, it's a nice three-country football podcast. It's exciting. <laughs> uh, and although I am going to be in, uh, in the US of A, I'm going to be chilling out in beautiful New Jersey. Wow. I won't be going to Canada, Ohio. Maybe, sadly, I won't be going to Draft Night Out. I'll be doing my own thing. I'll be having Draft Night in with my family. Yeah, if you want to meet me and uh, tell me how phenomenal my predictions, takes, and all that are, you know, you feel free to do so. And if you hate it, even better. Like, I, I don't like hearing compliments. I like criticism better. That's, that's, I, I just want to hear you guys talk shit to me. How about that? Yeah, Nader will be the guy. If you don't know what he looks like, he's the guy in the girthy T-shirt. <laughs> what does that even mean? You tell me, man. You're going to be the one wearing it. All right, that's fair. That is fair. And now on that note, let's hop into some NFC North deep dive. And we're going to start it off with the Detroit Lions, the kneecap biters, the trench biters, 5-10 record, 20th in points scored and yards gained, 10th in passing yards, a phenomenal 30th in rushing yards. Adrian Peterson led with 600 yards, 7 touchdowns. DeAndre Swift, to be fair, led in scrimmage yards with almost 900 and 10 total touchdowns. Marvin Jones led in every receiving stat with almost 1,000 yards and 9 touchdowns. Matthew Stafford, who is no longer on the team, 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, all done without who I absolutely despise now, Kenny Galladay. Now, of course, this team's kind of underwhelming. I don't really know where to start. Sheehan, is there anybody you're interested in? I mean, we've talked before about my prediction for two Kayla Swift this year, a thousand rushing and a thousand receiving for DeAndre Swift, because as Justin alluded to earlier, there's just not enough. Vo- well, there is enough volume to go around, not enough people to uh, to eat up that volume. And that's going to be Hawkinson. It's going to be Swift. And it's going to be, I think, Amon Ra St. Brown. I mean, We've talked in the past as well on on the free agency shows. They've lost Marvin Jones. They've lost Kenny Golladay. And they've replaced him with Terrell Williams, Brashad Perryman. Like, that's the, no, we have uh, Marvin Jones and Kenny Golladay at home sort of meme with a picture of them. It it really is. I loved Amon Ra St. Brown coming out of college. Uh, I thought he looked like a pro up against amateurs. He was doing things that you see uh, experienced receivers do, like stealing routes uh, against different sorts of coverage when he knew he wasn't going to be getting the ball, just to see how the corner was going to react. Um, he does have probably a lower ceiling than some of his classmates, uh, but I think he's already at a level where he can be a productive NFL receiver. Uh, my comp for him is Robert Woods, and he finds himself with Jared Goff, who was very productive with Woods. You know, he has a chance to be probably the most productive rookie receiver this year, even if he's not from the rest of his career. What do you reckon, Dodds? I actually tend, I tend to agree. Um Beyond TJ Hawkinson, the next likely person to lead in targets would be Amon Ross St. Brown. And I don't really think that's surprising to anybody. I mean, the competition you have there is Tyra Williams and Brashad Perriman. I'm not entirely sure if anyone's been pleasantly surprised with any fantasy production they've gotten from either of those two guys ever. But I think you'd much rather take the shot on the rookie that's coming in in a new coaching staff that just drafted him in the fourth round, I think he'll get some usage. Maybe it's not instantly. Maybe it's like a Justin Jefferson kind of thing where the first couple games they were, you know, subbing him in and out with, I think it was BC Johnson. And then they finally just admitted, okay, this guy's good. We need to have him on the field. And, and like I said, the Lions are going to be bad. Everybody knows that. 
So the volume's going to be there as far as the passing game goes. You're going to have to be passing if you're losing. It's just a general rule. So I think ultimately TJ Hawkinson leads the team in targets. That's why I'm pretty big on him as the replacement for Darren Waller. The secondary to that, and there will be a lot of targets for the secondary person, is likely to be Amon Ross St. Brown. Since after when we were talking about rookie draft, I think, Sheehan, uh, you heard me get into some little debates with some people about <laughs> who we'd rather have. And uh, I had Amon Ross very high, and uh, that was to the displeasure of a handful of people. But not perspective, but my uh, ideology is draft the situation, not necessarily the player talent. And Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, he's in a phenomenal situation. It's difficult to look past it, in my opinion, to where this guy, he's going to be a flyer. He's not getting drafted early. Sheehan, do you know when Amon Ross St. Brown is getting drafted? Uh, I do indeed. He is currently the wide receiver 58 going in the middle of the 12th round. I'm not sure I really want to touch him in, in redraft this year. I don't think that ceiling at the back end of the draft is really going to be what you want. I'd rather have... I mean, we can do some either or right now. I, I do have sort of two thoughts on, on Armin Rice St. Brown as I'm, uh, I'm looking for some ADP data here. One of them is he will have to beat out Quintus Cephas. I think they're very similar players in that they're kind of possession receivers. St. Brown is more of a slot, whereas Cephas might be more of an outside guy. But I think they could potentially fill a similar role in that offense as the chain-moving guy. The other one is this is a Detroit team that has lost its leadership. It's lost Stafford. It's lost Marvin Jones. It's lost Golladay. And I think Armin Rasen Brown is a leader. Uh, I think he's a guy that his teammates can rally behind and show a bit of heart, show a bit of fight for um, you know a, a real working class team. And I think he's a really working class, get down and dirty, block hard, wear his heart in his sleeve sort of guy. And I think he's someone that the Lions are going to get around. I think he's someone that Dan Campbell's going to love. And I think the people of Detroit are really going to warm to him as well. Now this team had, I think, three Pro Bowl to All Pro type offensive linemen, and now they drafted. Penny Sewell, sorry. It, it shows that this team is really invested in the offensive line. And now they're coming with a coach that really wants to ground and pound, establish the run, fight in the trenches, be gritty, be tough. And also, you have to look at the offensive coordinator, Anthony Lynn. While he was, of course, a little bit unfortunate on the Char- Chargers, he is a running back coach. And that's where he started out. And you know, you have two people who really want to ground and pound the ball really want to establish the run and probably play defense, which is questionable depending on if they have a good defense. But that is going to be the philosophy this team moves on with, especially when you don't exactly have a gunslinger at quarterback. I really like DeAndre Swift. Now, we, we went through some Amon Ross St. Brown ADP. Can we, can we look at some DeAndre Swift? Yeah, yeah. Before we, uh, before we go to Swift, because I've now got St. Brown's ADP, we'll do a couple of quick either oils here. And one really jumps out straight away. St. Brown or Marvin Jones? St. Brown. That's Marvin Jones for me. Yeah, Jones for me too. Uh, St. Brown or Russell Gage? Russell Gage is safer. I agree. Gage is safer, but that's really close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm probably on Gage that one. And uh, let's go with St. Brown or let's go with someone who's ahead of him here. St. Brown or Elijah Moore? Hmm. Ooh, that's a good one. I will take St. Brown. I think I'll as well take St. Brown. I'll go for I'll go for ceiling here and say more. There's a couple of guys around here going at the same time. That's more rugs, Hardman, the other more Rondell Moore, who I'm I'm not high on. We'll get to him next week. I, I would rather the the ceiling of Henry Ruggs, of McCall Hardman, of Elijah Moore, Elijah Moore later in the draft, potentially over the floor of Armin Ra St. Brown. But depending on how the drafts go, 
feels like a nice safe pick there, particularly in PPR leagues. Now, DeAndre Swift. Uh, I'm all in on Swift for exactly those reasons you were talking about, man. Anthony Lynn, solid offensive line. And even if he's not running the ball, he's going to be catching the ball. There is legit potential that we are talking about DeAndre Swift as a top five, six running back at the end of this season. And we're looking at, you know, can he repeat it? Is he worth taking in the top end of the first round next year if, if we fast forward? So Swift at the moment is going right in that meaty body of, I guess, tier three running backs, tier four running backs, depending on where your break is. Uh, he's going 27th off the board. It's the RB16. So would you rather DeAndre Swift or Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Swift. I think that would be CEH for me. Cl- Clyde, Clyde just doesn't have touchdown potential. I'll be honest. I don't see much touchdown potential for Swift either. I mean, the team just took a big hit in offensive production for me. So the 10 touchdowns he saw last year, can he sustain it? I'm not sure. And I think there might be some regression there. But, but is that regression going to be more than CEH's progression, if there is? I think CEH definitely has a room. I'm not sure exactly how many touchdowns he got, but he definitely didn't get a whole lot. Like three. Yeah, I understand he's not, you know, he's not the goal line back. They figured that out pretty fast. But I think he's a guy that is involved in an offense that's much better than the Lions offense. Let's say DeAndre Swift, we're going to be like, okay, he can get 20% or maybe even 30% of the Lions touchdowns. Is that going to be more than 10% of the Chiefs touchdowns? I'm not sure. And I think Clyde can get more than that. So I think that's where I would I would side with CEH. That's fair. Now, Clyde, he had four rushing touchdowns and one receiving touchdown. So five total last year. I, I'd rather Swift. I, I really like Edwards Alaire this year. I think he's really good value. What worries me about him is that he's in a big chunk offense. Swift is going to be in an offense that is struggling to move the ball uh, or, or is going to be playing, you know, 10 to 12 yards at a time, uh, as opposed to Edwards Allaire, who, you know, might lose 40 yards of the field to a long Tyreek Hill play or uh, a long McCall Hardman play or, or, or something like that. I mean, equally likely his own long, long play too. But really, we're talking about volume and you don't get volume in an efficient offense. I think we are going to see more touchdowns for Edwards Allaire this year, uh, but I think Swift still pips him for what it's worth. Now, DeAndre Swift or Antonio Gibson? Swift. That's, that's, that's easy for me. I think, again, I'm going to have to go the other side. I think I'm going to take Gibson. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> I, 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 people might remember I went on a little bit of an anti-Gibson tirade and uh, – him averaging 50 or what was it, 46 yards per game, excluding the Cowboys, kind of makes it difficult. I think they're in fairly similar situations, to be honest. I think you've got, let's say, a, a bottom tier starting quarterback. You have uh, one outstanding pass catcher, and then the running back is, is the second one. I think the Lions line is slightly better, uh, but I do think Washington probably might be playing from ahead slightly more. I, I will take Swift as my RB11. Uh, which would put him ahead for me, ahead of Joe Mixon, ahead of Cam Akers, ahead of J.K. Dobbins, ahead of Najee Harris, all of those guys. Um, I want him. Austin Eckler is probably the the last name that I would want over Swift, only because I think he has uh, absolute potential to do what I think Swift might do, and that's a thousand, a thousand. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely agree with Austin Eckler. I feel like they're both very similar. I think Austin Eckler is just a little bit safer. Now, he he did get hit with a pretty tough injury last year might hamper his potential ADP 
But uh, I mean, uh, that that offense for the Chargers looks very intimidating and very strong. So I, I imagine Austin Eckler will be having a, a pretty solid season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we've talked about potentially a downgrade in the offense. I think that just goes without saying Stafford is a much better quarterback than Goff. That's why the Rams pursued him. Do we think there's any standalone value in Jamal Williams? It's tough. It's tough. I, I want to say no. I like Williams. I mean, we were talking in the free agency shows, I'm sure you remember, that we were hoping he'd go somewhere and potentially be a lead back. He's one of the better high-end handcuffs, and I think he does have standalone value if Swift misses time. Uh, but I could easily see him being a goal line guy, short yardage guy, and he can catch passes as well. He sort of does everything at a, a decent enough level. And without Adrian Peterson there this year, they might need someone to be that short yardage guy, both in the red zone and, and around the and around the field. What do you reckon, uh, Dodds? I think Jamal Williams has a pretty similar role cut out for himself that he did in Green Bay, obviously on a much worse offense, but... I think the role is pretty similar. So we saw some games where Jamal Williams, you know, comes in, has five, six receptions and has his standalone value there, even though, well, in a PPR league, even though you had Aaron Jones taking the majority of the workload per that game. So I think definitely, and I agree, I think Jamal Williams might be one of the best handcuffs you can find, especially for the value, because you're basically getting him for nothing in redrafts. So if anything were to happen to DeAndre Swift, you got nobody behind i mean you have a couple rookies that have to prove it but beyond that you've heard the coach uh, anthony lynn talk about riding the hot hand is that necessarily true will that happen i'm not sure i doubt it because swift is the elite talent on the team but if it does i mean you're getting somebody that's competing for touches at the end of your drafts basically that's pretty good value to pass on Mm-hmm. Now, Anthony Lynn on the Chargers, he did actually use the hot hand. I mean, we saw him bring in people and Kelly, I believe the, the Chargers rookie last year, kind of, he just kind of, he got ignored and he left yeah. in the dust in that offense. So, I mean, he, Anthony Lynn will use the hot hand and I, I don't think that's a bluff, but I definitely do think Swift is going to be the, the majority leader of that hot hand. So it, it, it brings me confidence to know that Swift is the lead back in this offense. Jamal Williams, I like him a lot. I just don't think we're going to see too much of him. Yeah, that's fair. And I think we have evidence of of Lynn riding the hot hand with um, Austin Eckler. He was a UDFA mm-hmm. and he was happy to give him touches. He got him more and more touches and now he's you know, premier back, premier receiving back in the league. Um, but I, I have no other thoughts on the, the Lions. Dodds, any, any closing thoughts before we move on to the Minnesota Vikings? Yeah, definitely not an exciting team to be targeting, especially in, in your fantasy drafts. And just closing, I think TJ Hawkinson is the one takeaway. Um, and even, I guess, maybe even Goff. I understand Goff is scary, but in Superflex, if you're waiting late, if you want to snag value while everyone's taking quarterback early, I think you can wait, get Goff at a very cheap price, and he'll be okay. The thing is, you'll also have top-tier running back wide receivers as well. So that's the thing that you can look for. And like I said, if they're losing a lot of games, if they're coming from behind a lot, the volume will definitely be there. Whether he performs on that value is, or on that volume is still to be seen. But I think it's a value that you can snag up at, towards the end of your drafts as well. Mm-hmm. I got him at the, uh, the 11.04 in the Scott Fishbowl. I didn't feel good about it, but I had a couple of pints at that point, so I didn't really care. Uh, but, you know, I, th- I think there's worse. He's 
probably my QB three, and I think that's exactly what he's going to be. You know, he's yeah. in that that late round QB range. He's the QB thirty two in um in one QB leagues at the moment. But yeah, I hope he turns it around. I I hope that we can see. You know, a goff who's learnt to play the position and now doesn't have Sean McVay in his ear, making him feel bad about it. He's got a, a coach with a bit of confidence in him. You know, we might see might see him ball out a bit. Let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, 14th in passing yards, 5th in rushing. Dalvin Cook leading the team with 1,500 rushing yards, 16 touchdowns. A total of 1,900 scrimmage yards and 17 total touchdowns. They finished 7-9, and nine, 11th in point scoring, 4th in yards gain. I mean, Justin Jefferson led the team 1,400 yards, 7 touchdowns. Adam Thielen, 925 yards, 14 touchdowns in himself. Kirk Cousins, of all people, 4,200 yards, 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And I just, you know, a quick little fun fact for everybody. Kirk Cousins, when going against teams with winning records, he is 7-35. and 35. That is a 0.166 win percentage. 7-35. and 35. And, I, and it just goes to show you that wins and losses do not matter in fantasy football. Because if you look at it, Justin Jefferson, wide receiver one. Adam Thielen, basically wide receiver one. Kirk Cousins, he is a almost every week starter. And when you come to think of it, Dalvin Cook, of course, running back one, top three pick, which of course we might heavily talk about Dalvin Cook because I mean, he's going to be the focal point of a lot of teams. I think we should make sure people get who to get correctly, especially for their first overall pick or not first overall pick, but first round pick, I should say. But I I think it's funny to see a team that is so underwhelming in the wins and loss column be so fantasy productive. Sheen, I'll, I'll lead it to you on a, on whatever talking point you want to go off of. I mean, because it's hard to debate. These are all wide receiver ones. I'd forgotten how bad the Vikings were last year because of how good they were for fantasy. The fact that they finished below the ledger um, with a 1,900 yards from scrimmage from arguably the best running back in the league, the best young receiver in the league, probably the best old receiver in the league. You know, you like that Kirk Cousins throwing for, for 4,200 yards. Before we move on, is there a dumber name in the NFL than Clint Kubiak, both spelt with Ks? And nepotism is alive and well with Clint Kubiak, their, o, uh, their OC, taking over from his old man, Gary Kubiak. And Mike Zimmer's son is one of the co-DCs. Like, you want to try and get into this league, I tell you what, you got to be born into it. it we got the royal family over here. This is this is the, the Minnesota royal family, the, the Kubiak and Zimmer house. Anyway, we talked about Dalvin Cook, and as I was putting together the show notes- I was thinking, would I rather Cook or McCaffrey? And I've got to say, if I was picking first, I don't think I'm going to be picking first in any of my drafts this year because I, I absolutely never do. I'd almost take Cook over McCaffrey. I think he's got a better offensive line, going to be in a better offense, and he's not coming off an ACL injury. What do we reckon? I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger. McCaffrey, he has abilities to just make any catch a touchdown, any any, any punch in a touchdown. But while Dalvin Cook, he, he, he's immensely explosive himself. They lost their left tackle. And Riley Reef, and he he's onto the Bengals, and they had to draft a couple offensive linemen. It, it makes it a little questionable whether I trust the Bengals offensive line less than the Vikings offensive line. And uh, I mean, other- McCaffrey plays for the Panthers, man. Yes, the, the worst offensive line in the league. That this aids him because it allows him to get those dump offs, those check downs, those cheeky yards, those cheeky fantasy points that that he just kind of feasts on. Dalvin Cook, he was kind of a big play type player. And I mean, he only had 400 receiving yards. It's not phenomenal. It's not that good. He had one receiving touchdown 
he had 55 uh, 1500 rushing yards that's where he gets his bread and butter yeah i mean you know he was he's still an excellent player he caught what 44 44 balls yeah he only had one game last year where i think you'd be unhappy with what he gave you and that was it funnily enough against carolina uh, where he had 18 for 61 and without a touchdown every other game he either scored or went over 100 yards now to be fair in that game he did get hurt and he fumbled he did fumble that game and he got hurt and he left i think also one of the big things with dalvin cook i feel like every game he has like one of those little scary injuries he's kind of out for like two drives then he comes back in and then uh, he's a roller coaster of emotions mccaffrey he had a freak accident last year and uh, you know he missed the majority of the year he, he's been almost injury-proof coming into that point. He's a little safer of a draft pick. I don't think there's necessarily a wrong choice here. If I was on the clock, it's, for me, a harder decision than, than I thought it might have been a week ago. I don't think McCaffrey is the, the locked and loaded 101 here by any means, but I think there, there's arguments for both and, you know, have at it as far as I'm concerned. What about you, Justin? Yeah, I, I agree with Shan. I think it's I think it's definitely a lot closer than it used to be. I think before McCaffrey was the standard 101, everybody on the clock in a one QB redraft leagues taking McCaffrey first, you know. I think now there's definitely an argument. McCaffrey's coming off a couple injuries of last year. He's got a new coaching staff that he didn't really get that much playing time with last year. He's got a new quarterback. He's got a bunch of new things around him. So who knows if it's going to be the McCaffrey of old that we know. So if you want to go with Dalvin Cook, I think I think more power to you. Um, I haven't been in that position yet, so I haven't had to make that on-the-clock uh, decision. Um, I think I'd probably still lean McCaffrey just because I know of the production and I know of the scaries that can come with owning De- or having Dalvin Cook on your team. Um, like you were talking about how every game, it seems like you're watching, there's that one play where you're just like, oh no, did he tear his ACL again? Or, oh no, is does he going to come back into the game? I think the argument's there. I think I'd still side with McCaffrey though. Mm-hmm. Now, a quick couple of things. If you do take Galvin Cook, whether it's a first pick, second pick, third pick, I think you have to make it your immense and only priority for the rest of that redraft. Have Alexander Madison. You must have the handcuff because of that situation where every other game or every game it feels like Dalvin Cook is having a season ending injury and because of that you, you don't want the stress of losing your RB1 I feel like if you have Dalvin Cook you must have the handcuff now I do also want to add yeah. in his favor that he's in a relatively weak division against the run I mean Detroit Lions they're not phenomenal against the run Minnesota Vikings obviously his team uh, but they're not good against the run either. So when we talk about other running backs, they're definitely viable. Take it, you can easily take advantage of that team when running the ball. I mean, we saw Alvin Kamara score six touchdowns on them and completely obliterate my hopes and dreams. And then, of course, we have the Green Bay Packers who famously get consistently ran on every single game. So, I mean, that in this division, you can pick a player or pick a running back and know you have good matchups throughout the year which uh, you can't can't really say with McCaffrey. He goes against the Saints and the Buccaneers, who are very good against the run. So that's Mm. one notch I will give to Dalvin Cook. Yeah, he also gets the Falcons, who are just witches' hats in helmets. But um, Mm. no, I'm with you. I mean, we had consecutive weeks here where where Cook absolutely torched uh, Green Bay for, for three and 163. And then the next week followed up with two and 206 against a, a Detroit. So, you know, as you say, this is a, a division, division you can run on. Maybe the last word on this, this Cook and McCaffrey discussion. 
in a dynasty league, if you were trying to acquire Dalvin Cook with Christian McCaffrey, what's what would be the the shortfall there between Cook and McCaffrey to get that deal done for you? So you're saying I own McCaffrey or I own Dalvin Cook? It, it's it's essentially the question is Cook plus what equals McCaffrey in a dynasty trade? Let's see. How old is Christian McCaffrey? He is 25 and Dalvin Cook, he is also 25. Ooh, that makes it interesting. Yeah, if if I own Dalvin Cook and somebody offered me Christian McCaffrey 101, I would accept. Now, if the tables are turned, I would not accept it. But if I, I couldn't imagine somebody else offering me something else on top of it, because after that, it, it would be too enticing of a deal. Yeah, I think for me, I agree. It's at that point, it, because same age, similar contract kind of thing, uh, similar situations as far as that goes. I think ultimately uh, it comes down to personal preference at that point. If you prefer Dalvin Cook over Christian McCaffrey, then you're not taking that deal unless there's, um, you know, a piece added to it. Um, maybe you have Dalvin Cook as the number one running back in the league and you see that happening for the next couple of years. Uh, so you're looking for, you know, a second, third round pick added as a rookie pick to your deal there to maybe get it a little sweeter. I doubt you're going to get somebody to add another uh, relevant player to the point where, you know, you're getting a second piece in, in the form of a player to entice that deal. So I think you'd likely be looking at a pick and I'm not sure you'd be getting a first as well. So it'd be second or third. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Although I would say to get, um, if I could trade McCaffrey and get Dalvin Cook in a second back, I'd be pretty happy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree, but I, I don't think that's a realistic scenario. I think you would have to trade a lower end RB with a higher end wide receiver in order to get that done. I would say like maybe a Ezekiel Elliott and then a, uh, help me out here. Give me, give me a wide receiver, like a higher tier, younger wide receiver. Gabriel Davis, would that entice you? So you can Gabe Davis for Dalvin Cook or for McCaffrey? McCaffrey. Mm, probably not. Probably not. Probably want someone who's shown a bit. Maybe not a CD. Maybe like a maybe like a Debo. Debo Samuel. I'd be interested. I'd be into. You know, say say he offers you a Zeke and Justin Jefferson. Would that be a no brainer? Accept. Yeah. Instantly. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Bite your hand off. Anyway, so- we could get off mythical dynasty trades here. Yeah, so let's do some uh, either or on these wide receivers because Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they're going to be taken pretty highly with the top tier wide receivers to give people an idea on where we're really looking at them. All right, so for this one, give us a, a redraft and a dynasty answer. Okay. AJ Brown or Justin Jefferson? Whew. Justin, he got one? That's Justin Jefferson for me. Both? Um, yeah, it's, in both. J- Justin's a name homer. Yeah, I'm also just not as big on the AJ Brown train as a lot of people are. So, and I think adding Julio, as much as people want to say that it doesn't hurt AJ Brown, I think it definitely does. You you might see some alleviated coverage. Maybe AJ Brown's not getting doubled as much as he was before, but you're also losing the potential for targets. Um, Julio is much better than Corey Davis was. So, um, and who's to say that you're still not putting your number one corner on AJ Brown? Is AJ Brown right now better than Julio Jones? Maybe that's something for the other defensive coordinator to decide. Um, Justin Jefferson and redraft has more potential. He'll see more targets for sure. Overall, as far as the dynasty goes, I think Justin Jefferson's in a situation where he's going to be the number one there for a long time. He's also younger. So there's that as well. I just think Justin Jefferson's in a better spot. 
I hate agreeing with this one because I really like AJ Brown. I do have to agree. Justin Jefferson is due for a minor regression, albeit I don't think it'll be that much. He had 1,400 yards. If it's 1,300 yards, congratulations, you lost about, what, 10 fantasy points. That's that's big whoop. That's a big nothing burger, in my opinion. To be fair, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones can easily coexist. I mean, look at the two we're comparing him all. So Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, they could easily coexist, and they're both basically wide receiver ones. And then Julio Jones did it with Calvin Ridley. They were both wide receiver ones. And, and then, of course, we have the ever-so-famous Rams, who were able to host three different wide receiver ones at one point with Cooks, Woods, and then Cooper Cup. So, I mean, I'm not worried about either one of them, whether that's A.J. Brown or Justin Jefferson. But, man, I would rather Justin Jefferson to answer your question. Uh, I would take A.J. Brown, note for the discussion. I, <laughs> no, I, th- I, think it, I think it's tough. Funnily enough, speaking of season projections, I know this is kind of your wheelhouse, Dodds, but I have Jefferson. Uh, I think he catches maybe slightly. I think he cracks 100 catches this year, uh, but I, I think his yardage probably stays about the same, maybe adds another touchdown. I think he's slightly yeah. less efficient. Don't forget, we've got that extra game this year as well. So I right. think maybe 100 catches, 1,400 yards, and, and eight scores. You're going to be pretty happy with that anyway. Yeah. Uh, overall, in, in fact, here's one. We'll, we'll talk about two classmates here. Justin Jefferson or C.D. Lamb? In, in Dynasty. Justin Jefferson. Situation's a lot better. Yeah, for me, I'd probably go Jefferson there as well. CD's in a, in a good spot as well. It's, I think the situation is pretty good. The only thing is that I think there's still going to be more volume for Justin Jefferson. And ultimately, I also think Jefferson's a more polished receiver right now. Um, whether that changes in a couple of years, who knows? I think I'd be taking Jefferson again. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's going to be the uh, AJ, AJ Green. I nearly got my AJ color names mixed up. AJ Green and uh, Julio Jones, sort of career-long comparison between those two. Give me Jefferson next year. Give me CD for the rest of his career, to be honest. I think he's tied to a better quarterback, younger quarterback, and he's, as we had Robbie on the show, he's going to be on the tickets. They're going to be giving him the ball. And, and one more either or for redraft this year. Let's say Justin Jefferson or Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley. Because, I mean, he's already putting up Justin Jefferson-type numbers with Julio Jones. Yeah, I can't imagine he'll do worse. I as well think Calvin Ridley as I think Calvin Ridley and Jefferson are in a similar spot, similar tier, but I think Ridley has more upside. I think he could easily go for double-digit touchdowns, no problem. Um, whereas I think Jefferson, you lose that uh, little bit of touchdown margin. So I think Ridley is, is the choice. Yeah, and I, just, I mean, you have to also remember, Justin Jefferson is in a run-first offense, and they run more than they pass. Well, on the Falcons, uh, they heavily pass much more than they run. Same with A.J. Brown. They're both uh, in completely similar offenses with Dalvin Cook. I mean, they're run-first, built off of their girthy running backs, and then just <laughs> burn them over the top with their speedy receivers. They're almost identical when it comes to the offense. One last, I know I said the last one was either or. It's a hypothetical scenario for you. You're picking fourth overall, and at that fourth spot, you've got Derek Henry, Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, whoever you like. You've taken your premium RB4, whoever that is for you. Uh, You come back after the turn. You're on the clock. Do you take Justin Jefferson, or are you loading with another running back there? I will look running back. I think uh, having two premier running backs is the most important thing you could do this year. As well, if I can sneak one of, you know, a Gibson, Mixon, Eckler, someone like that as well, in the as my second pick, I think I'd be doing that. 
And also, if my first two picks had to be Dalvin Cook and then Justin Jefferson, I'm not sure I'd be a huge fan of that. Me personally, I don't love having two guys from the same team. I know that might sound dumb, but I just feel like it limits your upside a little bit from a week to week basis. Uh, Because, you know, an NFL team can only score so many points. And if you got two guys from that team, their upside is limited. So, but yeah, I generally like to start two running back if I can. If all the, if running backs are flying off the board, then by all means, I'm going wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, you know, guys like that. There's still insane top end wide receiver talent at the end of the second. Yeah, I was I was thinking, just give me Eckler in that spot. I'd be pretty ecstatic. Yeah, I think we're looking more at that um, Swift, Najee Harris, Ceh, Gibson type range. I think Eckler's probably off the board by that point. But um, uh, I'm with you. I think you could almost start three running backs there. Anyway, that's a discussion for maybe uh, maybe another week. Uh, do we want to talk Adam Thielen? Now, wh- where's he going? He's the wide receiver twenty at the moment. He didn't crack a thousand yards, but he got a hell of a lot of touchdowns. Would he get 12, 14 touchdowns? 14. Like they threw to him like nobody's business in the red zone. It's broken down into a bit more depth in an upcoming, uh, upcoming article on Sleeper Wire from a man, Anthony Winters, who's looking at second year receivers. Um, and he, progr- uh, he projects some regression for Thielen. Uh, but he's currently going around the same markers as, as Robert Woods, Jamar Chase, CD Lamb, Kenny Golladay. I'd probably rather feel in all of those over all of those guys. I'm gonna have to agree. He has amaz- He has an amazing ability to get separation in the red zone, where in theory it's the hardest to get it in. Uh, when you have a knack for scoring touchdowns, just go to him. Yeah, I, I agree with Nader there. I think as well. You also have to look at it as Kirk clearly has an eye for Thielen, and when it comes to the red zone, that's the first guy he's looking at. There's nobody else. It seems like he trusts more when they're passing in the red zone. Maybe there was some Kyle Rudolph before, but he's gone now. So is, does Jeff, Justin Jefferson take over a little bit? Yeah, sure. Is there going to be some touchdown regression? Probably. I mean, 14 touchdowns is a lot. You're not taking him as you know a top 12 wide receiver. You're taking him around the 20th spot. You're just fine drafting him there. I'd much rather him over Kenny Galladay, Cooper Cup. These guys with worse quarterbacks other than Cooper Cup, but Cooper Cup's upside's a little little limited i think yeah now he played adam thielen he played 15 games last year so he was a little bit injured he was a little bit knocked out so uh i think that shows the stat line that he has it's pretty good pretty good yeah yeah i think we're going to have a similar situation to what you talked about with the titans where there will be teams that consider thielen the number one and there'll be teams that consider jefferson the number one and it's probably going to be bad news if you're one or the other's owner that week they both have enough upside in terms of Jefferson's big playability, Thielen's ability to get open in the red zone. I don't think it really matters, but will mean, I think, a bit more uh, variance in their scoring week to week. I'm going to have to agree with you. Any closing statements before we move on? Yeah, I want to talk a little bit of tight end here. And we'll start with tight end Zach Davidson, who they drafted this year. Notable, not just because he had 894 yards and 15 touchdowns in 2019, because he's also got dual position eligibility as a punter. Uh, He went to college as a punter, only converted to tight end towards the back end. And if we remember, the Vikings gave up a fifth round pick for Kare Vedvik way back when, the dual position kicker punter. I think they're just a sucker for someone else who can also kick. Maybe we see Davidson a few years down the line, but I'm hoping to see uh, some rando punt the ball this year for them. 
But in more serious, what do we think of Irv Smith? Um, he's a guy who I feel like we've been projecting to break out, but hasn't really taken that next step. The Vikings do fall away very quickly after, I guess, the big three in their offense. Uh, is there enough for Smith to be relevant here? I think it ultimately comes down to the red zone production that he can get. I think you're going to see the majority of the yards going to Thielen, and, Thielen Cook and Jefferson. The one issue, and I, I love Irv Smith, this, Irv Smith Jr. this year as a, a late-round tight end candidate. The only issue that I have is that he seems to be, and you can double-check his ADP for me, I think he's being drafted as around the 12th, 13th tight end off the board, and I'm kind of thinking that's close to his ceiling. I think you're looking at around, at best, you know, tight end 10 range. And if you're drafting a guy at his ceiling, that's not exactly the best idea. Um, so if you can get him a little there, if he slides a little bit in your draft, if people are taking guys over him, I think he's a good value at the end. Um, and if you're in a two tight end league as well, or tight end premium, where you want to use him in your flex or something like that, I think he can have some value. I just think it just depends on, on, let's say he steals four touchdowns from Adam Thielen. Um, I think you're looking at a little bit better production there. And I think that's where you'll get the majority of his value from. It, it, it's difficult where, you know, we just talked about it, how in the red zone, he's looking for Thielen. He's going to have his games, and I think his stat line is going to be five catches, 50 yards. If you're okay with that, then that's the average tight end stat line. And I think that's what uh, you should be anticipating out of him. I don't want to borrow him, not for the price, as you say. You, you don't want to be paying t, uh, tight end 10 prices for the tight end 10. If you're going to be going for that, you may as well stream. Use your pick somewhere else. Irv Smith doesn't feel like a guy who's going to get it done in the first 80 yards of the field. Like, I don't see them passing it to him. I don't see them giving it to him in, on, a, on a screen and taking it 10 yards or something like that. No, no interest for me. All right, so let's move on to the Chicago Bears. Eight and eight and somehow lost to the Saints in the wild card. Not sure how that worked out. You know, stuff happens in football. 22nd point score, 26th in yards gained, 22nd in passing yards, 25th in rushing. David Montgomery, surprisingly, I compare him to a broken refrigerator, had 8,070 rushing yards and eight touchdowns. I mean, he had 1,500 scrimmage yards with 10 total touchdowns. A little bit surprising. Now that you look at it, Allen Robinson, the elite wide receiver, had 8,250 yards, six touchdowns. Jimmy Graham had eight receiving touchdowns. Mitchell Trubisky started nine games, threw for 2,016 touchdowns. Nick Foles started seven, threw for 1,810 touchdowns matt Nagy, of course he is entering his fourth season as head coach you know first it'd be nice to know who the quarterback is whether you know it's the uh, little new boy on the block just drafted justin fields or if it's going to be the red rifle i'm not sure how girthy it is but it's red rifle and we're just gonna <laughs> go with red rifle on that one but uh, alan robinson has been shown to be quarterback proof i mean he did it on the jaguars he's doing it now I like Allen Robinson a lot. He's elite. I'm putting him up there. Yeah, I don't think it matters to him whether it's uh, Fields, whether it's the Red Rifle. I mean, he was the guy that got Christian Hackenberg drafted in the second round for how he played at Penn State. This guy really is QB proof. It's uh, it's ridiculous. And now, hopefully for him, Fields does hit and stick, and this will be the, the best quarterback he, he plays with. I, I totally agree. He's absolutely elite. He's in kind of that old man tier of receivers going around the same time as Keenan Allen, as Julio Jones, I guess vaguely Adam Thielen. He, Thielen's a little bit later. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm a big rat for Robinson. I think if he's your 
wide receiver one out of the draft you've loaded up earlier at, uh, at running back or, or quarterback in a super flex. I think you're pretty happy with, with Robinson and you can sleep soundly not worrying about who's chucking him the ball. He's going to be productive. 1,250 yards, six touchdowns. That's, that's wide receiver one numbers. You can't really complain about that. Justin, uh, are you on the same boat or would you rather somebody else? I think at this point he's been too consistent to deny it. And I think it only gets better if Fields is the quarterback. I think Fields opens the field, not speaking puns here, but he opens it up a lot more than any other quarterback that Allen Robinson has had to this point. I mean, you're talking Nick Foles last year uh, and Mitch Trubisky. So no one's really worried about them taking off that much, whereas you might be with Fields. So if Fields can take the job over, it, it helps Robinson a lot. And you could easily see Robinson as a solid wide receiver one, if not a top end wide receiver one by the end of the season, if that were be to be the case. The only thing is how strong will the Bears stick to their guns in claiming that Andy Dalton is the quarterback one when they <laughs> draft the quarterback in you know the first round. So we'll see about that. Um, maybe it takes a couple games, but I think ultimately Fields takes over. I think mm-hmm. Fields starts week four against the Lions. I think uh, they kick off the season with Sunday night football. I think they wheel out Dalton so Fields doesn't embarrass himself on national television. Give Dalton a, a backup game week two against the Bengals and then away to the Browns and then have him coming home, nice soft schedule against the Lions, then into the Raiders. So you're fit and firing when he plays the Packers in two weeks' time. I think that's probably what happens with Fields. There we go. Now, Justin, never apologize for puns. We highly encourage them. And uh, I recommend you consistently use them on a daily basis. Now, David Montgomery, running back, he looks like he's on the up and up right now. His draft stock's going up with Justin Fields there. Usually always a running mobile quarterback opens it up for the running backs that they currently have. What's Montgomery's ADP? It's got a couple of this or that's on him. Uh, Yeah, for sure. The cut price of Quan Barkley. Uh, He's currently the RB21 going 40th off the board. Would you rather David Montgomery or Chris Carson? Chris Carson. Yeah, I think that'd be Carson as well for me. Funnily enough, I would want Montgomery. I feel like he's going to stay fitter. You know, as, as good as Carson's be, Carson has been, I don't think there's much for his job security. We talk about teams riding the hot hand. Seattle ride the hot hand better than anyone. Now, the only thing Seattle does that I really admire is that they give one running back the football typically, and he's going to be the workhorse. And Chris Carson has had multiple games with over 30 touches, and uh, he, he does get some receptions. And uh, I think after the, I don't want to call it a failed experiment with let Russ cook, but uh, I feel like the Seattle Seahawks are a much better team when they're running the ball, the majority than passing it. Well, I, I, I agree. I think they're, they're a better team when they're, they're a bar- balanced offense and they're not trying to force a game plan one way or the other. Um, we talked about this being an easy division for running backs. I think the NFC West, which we'll do next week, is probably the hardest. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. But, I mean, Chris Carson and the Rams, David Akers, they're, they're still putting up numbers. And uh, they're all teams that will rather lose than have a horrible running back. I feel like uh, I've noticed that out of those teams. Uh, but Chris Carson, I think he's a lot better to answer your question with David Montgomery, but I know he is not nearly as healthy considering he has never played a full season his whole career. Justin, did you say uh, Chris Carson as well? Yeah, for me, I just think the only difference is when you look at Montgomery last season, you look at the scrimmage yards at 1,500 scrimmage yards and 10 touchdowns. And I think part of that was 
aided by the fact that they lost Tariq Cohen very early last year, and he wasn't there to vulture any of the receptions that they would have gotten or that yep. David Montgomery ended up getting. So when you compare the last season statistics, you go, okay, well, Chris Carson doesn't really catch the ball out of the backfield. They're not really looking to you know dump it off to the running back as much because Russ can do that himself. He can just take off for you know a couple of yards. So then it's like, okay, well, will David Montgomery continue to get that receiving work? And I think the answer is no. I think they still want to have Tariq Cohen in that role. And I think he resumes as he normally would have two years ago. So I think you might lose a little bit of the receiving production. And I think that puts them on the level playing field. And then it just comes down to which offense do you prefer? And for me, it's Seattle over Chicago's. Now, I did hear this week that Cohen is not progressing as well as they might like from uh, his return and injury. Obviously, still camp talk or or off-season talk. So who's to say? But rarely do you get bad news about a player at this time of year. Yeah, that's, that is, that's a good point. We'll do a couple of more either-ors here, Montgomery or Miles Sanders. Montgomery. I'll take Montgomery. Yeah, Montgomery for me as well. Uh, Josh Jacobs. Montgomery. Montgomery, yeah. Now, one quarterback league here, Montgomery or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson. Ooh. I feel like I have both Montgomery and a quarterback. So you're saying either take Josh Allen or... Or take both Lamar and... No, no, sorry. It was David Montgomery, comma, Josh Allen, or Lamar Jackson. They're all going basically within the pick of each other in one one QB leagues. Probably go Josh Allen there if he's still available. At that point, I would consider it. So is that around like the third round, the two, three turn range? Three, four. Three, four. Okay, so yeah. So typically, if I'm starting off a draft, I've already got two running backs by then. And I like the late round wide receiver uh, value that you can find. So I'd consider Josh Allen there probably. One thing that worries me about Montgomery, I agree, I'd probably take a quarterback there. I'm high on taking a a quarterback in in one quarterback leagues this year. Um, One thing that worries me about Montgomery is he had the softest schedule to finish the season when I wrote the who has the softest schedules to finish the season article last year. Finished with Green Bay, who we talked about could run on. Finished with Detroit, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, and Green Bay. That is, I mean, which is hats and helmets, as we've said about the Falcons. That And that's where he made most of his hay. I'm worried that it, it might be a bit of a false dawn of Montgomery. I don't really want any part of him uh, this year. I, I would take him over a you know, specific run mix that we went over, but uh, I would definitely rather let somebody else kind of make the mistake of picking him. Yeah, I wouldn't want him as my RB1. No. no, definitely not. If you, if you're running a zero RB league or a zero RB team, quote unquote, I know who's uh, he loves this. Maybe you could reach a little bit earlier and grab a Montgomery, considering you probably have a couple stud wide receivers at this point. But uh, it's not a comfortable feeling knowing you have Montgomery in your lineup. Yeah. Is there anybody else that you guys are worried about or have potential? I know Darno Mooney and Cole Komet. I know we really like Cole Komet, but is is there relevance in these guys? I liked Darnell Mooney before it was cool. Um, I have him on every single dynasty team, and I drafted him last year in the fourth and fifth round, so bully for me. We all saw the footage on Twitter of him, as the kids say, clowning uh, Jalen Ramsey and then Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky missing him by miles. If he can continue his progression, I really like him as uh, a nice second fiddle to Robinson. I think he's going to open the game up for both for Robinson and for Montgomery or whoever's running the ball for them. I don't know if there's going to be much fantasy value there this season, but I would like to see how he goes with Justin Fields because I feel like that is going to be a nice partnership that that could potentially grow 
uh, together for a few years. What about you, Jason? Yeah, I think Mooney's uh, actually probably a solid value and a flyer this year. If you wanted to take a flyer on anybody, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're probably drafting him for basically nothing uh, towards the end of your drafts. Um, and beyond Allen Robinson, I mean, the targets are there for the taking. If he can establish rapport with uh, Justin Fields before anyone else can, then who's not to say that he becomes uh, a solid target in the offense? So I think he's someone you could look to towards the end of your drafts as a solid flyer. I think uh, the the ships left the uh, the harbor for that. Unfortunately, I think people have been so high on the Darnell Mooney breakout, a bit like Gabe Davis, that he's just being overdrafted now. He's going in the tenth round. Okay, so that's not quite a flyer at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're talking Mooney is going ahead around the same time as um, Devante Parker after Mike Williams, who I, I don't know about that. Like. Elijah Moore, who we've talked about. Henry Ruggs, McCole Hardman, even Armin Ross St. Brown. I'd rather have a kicker like Young Hoku over our boy Mooney. Well, in one quarterback leagues, you could either get Mooney or Matt Ryan. Young Hoku. Young Hoku. Young Hoku is going uh, much later. And I, I would still rather have Young Hoku over both of them. Do yeah. it your own, man. <laughs> yeah. You enjoy your young hoes, man. It's true. True. <laughs> no, they're kind of nice. All right. So. <laughs> Let's move on to the Green Bay Packers. This one's it's going to be interesting because it all matters on one thing. Does our boy A.A. Ron Rodgers play? Now, of course, with him playing 13-3, and lost in the NFC Championship game, something Aaron, jo- Aaron Rodgers loves to do considering he is now, I believe, over the past decade, 1-4 in the NFC Championship games. I mean, but, but this team, first in points scored, fifth in yards gained, ninth in passing, eighth in rushing. Aaron Jones led the team while missing a handful of games with 1,100 rushing yards, nine touchdowns, a total of 1,400 total scrimmage yards. Devontae Adams, 1,300 receiving yards with 18 touchdowns. That is a phenomenal number. Robert Tunyon had 11 receiving touchdowns. The out-of-nowhere tight end who definitely secured a very solid spot in my tight end position. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, league MVP, 1,300 yards, 48 touchdowns, and five interceptions. So for the sake of everything, we're going to say Aaron Rodgers is playing, but we're also going to add our input in case he's not playing. But for right now, he's playing. Devontae Adams, I mean, well, why just even one, right? I like Hill, but I'm not going to argue with you if you like Adams. Yeah, for me, I, I would take the the consistent play that I know is coming from Devontae Adams there. As we were talking about with the Chiefs earlier, they're a big chunk kind of team. So you might have some games where Hill could burn you if he's not getting those big plays. Whereas Devontae Adams, I think you're getting those solid games pretty much every game. You might not have the explosion games like, you know, the Tyree Kill game against Tampa Bay in the regular season where he goes off for 200 something receiving yards in the first half. First um, quarter, man. Yeah, so you might not be having those with Devontae Adams, but I think you're more consistent. Again, a lot as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, um, I think that consistency is is stronger with Adams. I also want to shout out to all the teams out there, all the leagues I should say that may do the redrafts before preseason. Those guys are sociopaths. To do your drafts before the potential of all those ACL tears, all those injuries before you get to see the sneak peek of how teams run their new systems. Uh, you know, hats off to you guys. I try to encourage all my leagues to do that just because I think it's fun. And I, I want to see 
actually, well, I shouldn't say that. You know, obviously, I don't want anybody to tear their ACL, but uh, it's a little funny when a person, star player, gets their ACL torn, and you know, it's too late. The team drafted, you know, and uh, everybody scrambles and fights for that handcuff. You're a sick, sad man, Nada. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, you know, I've been told that a couple times, but you know, so it's, sometimes it's, you know, funny is funny, and uh, that that would be one of them. So we're we're assuming Aaron Rodgers is playing. That means Devontae Adams. What's his ADP? Like what's seventh pick? He's the uh, tenth pick, tenth eleventh pick. Tenth, and, and um, that's with the, the, he's the fear. Wide yeah, that's with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. The fud that Aaron Rodgers is not playing. I mean, if we knew Aaron Rodgers is playing, I, I think he's a little up there, a little bit higher, a couple of picks ahead. Yeah, he's drifted from, well, he was going eighth overall and the wide receiver one in the past two weeks. He's now dropped further back as Hill and Ezekiel Elliott have come up the board. Um, I think that uncertainty around Rodgers is, is really starting to weigh on people. But, I mean, I'm drafting him assuming that he's going to be with Rodgers. I drafted him in Scott Fishbowl assuming he's going to be with Rodgers. And I, I really hope that he is because the league is more exciting with that as the case. And uh, certainly my teams will be better if they are. Mm-hmm. Devonte Adams, he's kind of like buying a Chinese stock. There's, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty there. I don't know for all the the stock people out there that own Neo or Alibaba and all that good stuff. But what about Aaron Jones? What's going on with him? Yeah, I think um, he's a potential top six running back this year. He's the three down back. He's got AJ Dillon for company, but he's proven to be a, an excellent running back. He should be fit this year. Their line is solid once they get David Bakhtiari back and. You know, the, the offense is still going to have to respect Rodgers. They're still going to have to respect Adams. Sign me up for Aaron Jones, considering a lot of the time you can either double tap with Jones after the, the one-two turn, get two elite running backs, or even go someone like a Kelsey and, and Jones and really set yourself up for you know, important positions. So quick little stat, Jamal Williams, when he was on the Packers, he played 35% of the snaps. So that means in 65% of the time, Aaron Jones was produ- was outproducing 95% of the running backs. So now I'm anticipating Aaron Jones to play about 70%, 75. I don't think AJ Dillon takes the workload people are expecting him to. I know, I know I, he, he's going to be an experiment. They're going to try to give him the hot hand. I think he fails. I think uh, he had just one phenomenal game. Everyone's going to ride that. And I think Aaron Jones is just going to be the superior back. Aaron Jones has a knack for scoring touchdowns. I don't know how he does it. He doesn't look like the big power back, but he just finds a way to get inside the end zone, just like him and Robert Tunyon and that team in general. Devontae Adams, they just find ways to score touchdowns. And they have find ways. He's a slippery guy. They have inflated touchdown numbers. And year after year, we say, oh, he's going to regress. He's going to regress. They just don't regress. And uh, they continue to play on that consistent path. Aaron Jones, I'm giving him my stamp of approval. I want people to go out and grab him. I don't think Dylan and Williams are going to fill similar roles. You know, we talked about Jamal Williams. He's a good, you know, he's a, he's a solid all-around back. He can do it on all three downs. He's, you know, not a, not going to set the world on fire, but he's an excellent pass blocker. He can catch passes. He can run. Dylan is very much a, a vertical runner. He doesn't have the same pass catching chops. And they drafted Kylan Hill, who I think does. So, you know, we might see more of a three headed beast than we have in the past. They did use uh, Tyler Irvin quite a bit last year. You know, I, I think Dylan is going to be more of a, a spell guy for Jones and maybe he vultures a couple of touchdowns. But I still think Jones is going to get their passing down work more often than not. Mm hmm. 
Uh, that team just lacks a second wide receiver. It's Devontae Adams, and then who knows? And half the time, Aaron Jones just ends up being the second wide receiver. As long as Aaron Rodgers knows how to check down. And uh, Aaron Rodgers, sometimes he pulls a little bit of a Russell Wilson where he refuses to check down going for the big play. But uh, when he does, Aaron Aaron Jones has been a phenomenal check down for that Green Bay Packers offense. Now, Justin, is there anybody else that you're really interested in? Because I I feel like it's pretty straightforward. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, and then what else? Yeah, I guess the only other thing would be Robert Tanyan. The only problem with him is that I think he's being drafted at his ceiling as well. I'm And I'm not sure on the updated ADP, but he's being drafted as what I see as like the ninth, 10th tight end off the board. And I think last year he was inflated by his touchdown numbers and uh, the receiving total wasn't really there. So if that slips a little bit, which which if we're assuming Rodgers plays, there still can be some regression. If we go with Rodgers not playing, you're in trouble if you drafted Tanya Nett as the ninth tight end off the board. So I think you're right. It's basically Adams and and you're following the money with uh, Aaron Jones. They paid him for a reason. So so I'd probably be comfortable with those two guys. Past that, it's it's pretty scary there. Mm-hmm. Now I do like a little bit of Robert Tunyon. I think he's a you know he's baby Kittle, baby Kittle for a reason. I think uh, they're molding him to be that. And uh, you know, if we're talking about Walmart Josh Allen's, then I, I think he is the perfect mold of a Walmart George Kittle. And they even wear the same attire when go down to the field. I think that's a very cute little subtle nod to each of them. I, the the tight end position is just so shot right now. I think there's a reason people are reaching a little bit for Tunyon because he, in my opinion, has one of the higher potentials. Also, I think he is being drafted at a ceiling, but I think his ceiling could be a little bit pushed up a little bit considering his receiving yards are so low comparing his touchdowns. I think his receiving touchdowns could say the same and then his receiving yards goes up. A lot of people are thinking it might be the opposite. No, I think the receiving yards is what might go up, considering as long as Aaron Rodgers is there, they're going to get red zone looks, and they're going to be in the red zone, especially with this division, where, uh, I mean, the best team is the Packers, I mean, the the Bears defensively, and uh, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is historically known for absolutely destroying the Bears. He loves playing the Bears, mm. and uh, I mean, there's no bad matchup for Aaron Rodgers. I don't think Tunyon is being overdrafted for what it's worth. I don't want him at the value he's going. He's in the the mid 10th round he's the tight end 13 at the moment he's going around the same time as logan thomas and i think that's two players the community sort of said well you were good last year but we're not prepared to back you again until we see it again and i think people are as you've said now like people are predicting regression for tunyon and i think he's being drafted in that way i think if this was a younger person or, or let's say it was Irv Smith even who had those numbers. He'd be like a top eight. Yeah, he scored a lot, but the, the yards weren't there. I, I, I don't want a bar of him. Absolutely don't want a bar of him. Let someone else dive on that grenade. You know, if he's on the waiver wire, I'm, having to, I'm happy to stream him. I just don't think he's going to get there. At, at this point, you may as well stream tight end. Now, he, he only started eight games last year. 11 touchdowns. So he averaged more than one touchdown per game. Of course, I think there was a game where he had three or four touchdowns. And he also had 586 receiving yards. That's not too shabby for a tight end in eight games started. I think people are looking at the stats and not looking at the games played and the game he started. Had, he had 88% catch percentage, 52 receptions on 59 targets. That's guess he just gets open. Aaron Rodgers throws you open. And uh, when, you, when you have to double team, to practically triple team Devontae Adams, it, le- it leaves you with some desirability 
to want to be intrigued by a Robert Tunyon. I mean, you know the teams are going to worry about Devontae Adams. You know they're going to worry about Aaron Jones. You know they're going to have to send at least four to take care of Aaron Rodgers. There's mismatches. And uh, Robert Tunyon, and I believe in the offensive head coach, sorry, not a coordinator, the head coach, that he is able to find Robert Tunyon and put him in the best position to succeed. I mean, now now his, the head coach's name completely eludes me, but... Uh, Matt LaFleur. LaFleur, LaFleur, there we go. LaFleur... Cram up from- cram hole, LaFleur. <laughs> LaFleur comes from the Shanahan coaching tree. They know how to get their tight ends open. Yep. No, I totally agree. Hey, what do we think of MVS? Do we think it's going to happen for Marquez Valdez-Scantling? I mean, last year it looked like he couldn't catch COVID if he licked every doorknob in the world. So Rob just keeps throwing in the ball. And this is a guy who's famed for having his receivers and the guy he trusts. And even though MVS keeps dropping it, he kept throwing him the ball. I don't think he had a choice. I just don't think he had a choice and uh, he had to throw it to him at some points. And uh, he, he he screwed the Packers over a hand, on a handful of times with those drop passes. Oh, he absolutely did. There was a couple that I'm pretty sure I could have hauled in. Yeah, he had 33 catches on 63 targets for 690 yards. That's nearly 21 yards per reception. I, I just want to put it out there right now. Aaron Rodgers is more likely to throw the ball away than throw it to a receiver that's not named Devontae Adams. I think that needs, <laughs> that needs to be said right now, and it needs to be made sure. You let somebody else take a non-Devontae Adams receiver that is on the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah, uh, I'm in the same I, boat there. I agree. One name that does interest me is Amari Rogers. Um, and if he was tied to Aaron Rodgers for longer, I'd be very interested in him in Dynasty Leagues. I'm not sure he's going to give you much this year, but we're talking about a Randall Cobb-type slot receiver. Um, he was excellent at the Senior Bowl. I thought he was better than, I think it was Mond, who ended up being Senior Bowl MVP. We didn't even talk about him. You know, the Vikings drafted a quarterback to place Kirk Cousins. Yay. I, I was really impressed with Rodgers, and if he was tied to Aaron Rodgers for longer, we obviously don't know what they've got in Jordan Love. I think the fact that they've brought in Blake Bortles as either insurance for Love if Rodgers does play, or potential a guy who can come in and start if Love is stinking it up. And I mean, we're talking about talking about the Bortler here, so I mean, it's he's not exactly Aaron Rodgers 2.0. If he can establish himself, I think we might see some some good football from him this year, uh, and he could be one to look at for years to come. Mm-hmm. But let's assume I get another wide receiver for Green Bay establishes himself. I'm not holding out high hopes. Justin, I don't know if you are. Until it happens, I'll wait to see. I'll, mm-hmm. When I see it, I'll believe it. But for the time being, but yeah, I, I do like the, the pick. I think they used capital on a wide receiver finally in the draft. Uh, and it, it wasn't very it. yeah, and it wasn't very high capital. I mean, you got him at pick 85, so it wasn't like they're drafting a first round wide receiver or anything like that. But I think it's something to monitor. Obviously, it's a lot better if Rodgers is there, but that's still to be seen. So so before we wrap up this team and division, is it safe to say if you are drafting in your redraft league and Aaron Rodgers has not declared to be playing, you should avoid every single Green Bay player? Do you guys agree or disagree? Nice playing. I think depending on where it is. So for example, if Devontae Adams, if he's in the second round, if he managed to make it to you in the middle of the second round, I'm not avoiding him there. If he's, if we're talking the back end of the first round, then yeah, I probably am going to look somewhere else like a Tyreek Hill or maybe even Stefan Diggs. If I'm really uncertain about Rogers coming back, I think ultimately he does play and I'm hoping you get information earlier than your draft. I mean, this reminds me of Le'Veon Bell 
when he yeah. was supposed to report to the Steelers camp and everybody said, oh, he has to report week one or else his season doesn't accrue. And then all of a sudden it changed to week eight and then it changed to week 10. And then all of a sudden there's a loophole where he doesn't even have to show up. He still can get that <laughs> season accrued as long as he doesn't sign the franchise tag. I think this is what it may potentially turn into. Everybody's saying, oh, if you know, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't show up, it doesn't accrue. Aaron Rodgers can afford the best lawyers to figure something out for him. To, if he really didn't want to be there, he'll figure something out. And uh, right now, I think that's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for a little bit of a, a corner for the team to put him in so he can kind of go on the offensive. But I mean, that's just obvious speculation at that point. So if Rodgers doesn't play, what do we think about Jordan Love? I'm not, I'm not touching him with a 10-foot pole. Personally, would be avoiding it just because of the uncertainty. And I'm not really, I mean, depending on where you're taking him. I mean, if it's a super flex and you want to take him towards the end of the draft, by all means, take the flyer. But if we're talking one quarterback, I think that's oh, yeah. not something I'm going anywhere near. Yeah, no, if it's if it's a super flex, I'd, I mean, I I take a shot at it, considering he does have a Lafleur, got a Devonte Adams, got a good offensive line, he got a good running back. Jordan Love's in a position to succeed if he is going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. So let's well, let's say super flex. Rogers isn't coming back definitively. He's not going to play this year. Who do you want Love over? And we don't have data here because there's no sort of speculative data. Do you want him like Big Ben range? Would you rather? Nah. Would you rather Love over Goff? Yeah, for fun, I'd probably do that. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I'd be in the same boat. Right, love over either of uh, Denver's guys. Yeah, I'd probably do that. I agree. I think you'd have a little more upside there. Divi- division. Case. Yeah, I, I rank them the same. So I'll go with the easier division, and then I think Jordan Love has an easier division. And uh, what about Slam and Sammy Donald? I think that's where I'd draw the line. I think I'd take Sam Donald. I'm gonna have to agree with Mister Justin there. Yeah, I'd go. I'd go Donald too. But um, I, I'm in. I'm intrigued by Love. I'm interested. Super, super flex redraft. Give me him in the in the fifteenth if he's available, and we'll see what pans out. Yeah, yeah. And that'd be. I, I think he would be a little bit more inflated to the fifteenth if we knew definitively. Aaron Rodgers would not be there. I mean, he's going to have some running potential. I see him around Zach Wilson area. Well, in fact, here we go. We, we're all on, you know, I assume he's all still available in your, the Scotty Fishbowl. Would you take him, you know, towards the back end of your drafts where we are now? I wouldn't take him knowing that Aaron Rodgers might play. I'd have to hear, no, Aaron Rodgers is not playing for me to be interested. I also probably wouldn't in the Scott Fishbowl just because of the scoring format for the quarterbacks. And just because of I wouldn't be sure of the consistency of his play and having a good quarterback there is, is pretty key because they can hurt you if they're not good. Uh, it's not just, you know, your standard yards and your touchdowns. So I think there'd be a little more hesitancy, even if I knew Rodgers wasn't playing, just because I'm not sure what I'm getting there. going to have to agree there. All right. So there we go. That's what I like to hear. All right. So I am Natter. Of course, you can find me at top tier tactics underscore on Twitter. You can find this show at sleeper wire show on twitter make sure to hit that like follow button on whichever podcasting platform you are listening on and of course if you want to support our charity patreon slash sleeper wider of course this is a charity podcast where whatever you donate on the patreon goes to a phenomenal cause so of course justin where could everybody find you just on twitter man right now and on this podcast on occasion uh at <laughs> justin dodds ff on twitter not very active right now, but towards redraft season, you can bet I'll be I'll be tweeting out a lot of nonsense on there. That's what I like to hear. What about you, Sheehan? As always, I'm at Sheehan Solo. That's S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O on Twitter. 
And uh, as Justin said, as we're getting close to the start of the redraft season, we'll be ramping up on there. But we have a couple of really good articles coming out in the coming weeks looking at second-year running backs, second-year wide receivers. And I've got one coming out about late bloomers. And if you haven't seen it yet, check out the Sleeper Wire writers, podcasters, and friends of the show Mock Draft uh, featuring Marcus Grant from NFL.com. There we go. And we'll be sure to be ready for that one. But other than that, everybody, good luck. Good luck.